Hey everyone, this is Lauren. And this is Anastasia. You're listening to Wait to Panic, a podcast where two friends take turns trying to scare one another shitless. This week, we're doing scary stories again. Spookies. So it is both of our turns. Ha ha. Because we need a break too. <laughs> yeah, we really do. Work has been crazy and I, I needed less. <laughs> I needed Much less. less. We've been working so much overtime. Yeah. <laughs> and we're still here. <laughs> we are. So, Stasia, what's your happy this week? My happy this week is we have decided to be big, real adults, and we started house hunting. And Woo! Yeah, it's it's a thing. It's exciting. Undecided, undecided how we really feel about it, but it's a thing. It's, it's new and it's interesting, and... Uh, Y'all are asking way too much for what you got. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have anyone who's selling a home. Y'all greedy. Right. I get it as a homeowner now, but, like, you greedy. <laughs> uh, we've definitely seen some, like, 400 price range houses that are 300 at best. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. We're not going to talk about Seattle home price ranges. <laughs> nope. Nope. Uh, moving right along, um, what my about happy, you? my happy this week is that I paid off my student debt. Oh, that's right. Woo-hoo! That is fantastic. Ugh. I'm so excited. It's been almost exactly 10 years. Hey, but it's done. But it's done. done. It's behind I'm, you. I actually they get to can, have savings now. I was going to say, Ooh. you can build up your savings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's going to be great. That'll be nice. So excited. So I can actually, like, do things when I want to do them. It'll be amazing. Yeah. Being debt-free minus the house payment is a good thing. It's a nice feeling. So, yeah, that's my happy. I like it. That's a good happy to have. I'm thrilled. I definitely bought myself, like, champagne and pizza and had a (laughs) stay-at-home pandemic-friendly celebration. I was just going to say, do you want to tell everyone how you celebrated? Because it was pretty (laughs) awesome. Oh, also chocolate-covered freeze-dried strawberries. Highly recommend. Surprisingly delicious. Oh, they're fantastic. I wish I could find them covered in dark chocolate instead of milk chocolate, but... I mean, you could do it yourself. It's less fun in a way, but... No. (laughs) Just no. (laughs) I'm just thinking back to, we started this episode with, I needed less. I don't think I need to add anything. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Maybe one day when I am... I don't know. Let, let's manifest something. When I am abundantly wealthy and require no t- job to be able to live my life, then I'll make char- chocolate-covered dry- freeze-dried strawberries. I'll make and, you some. Ooh, thank you. That's a better option. I like that one. <laughs> uh, along with my chocolate and sea salt dipped blood oranges. <gasps> Yum! Those are delicious. I want that. One of these days, we'll actually be able to see each other in person, and it's going to be awesome because we will just make all of the treats. One day. One day. Yeah. It's making me miss high school, and it takes a lot to make me miss high school. I just remember making Nutella crepes for all of BAM. Oh, yes. (laughs) So good. So tasty. So fun. Uh, (sighs) Good times-ish. Okay times, I mean, but good memories. That, that one <laughs> specific situation was a good time. High school, not so much, but that one specific situation. Yeah, I'll give you that one. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about things that are bad situations? 
Mm, always. That's like what we do on a weekly basis. <laughs> <laughs> and every bit in between too. Uh yeah, no, that's a that's a daily that's a daily activity. Do you want to go first or second? I've got a few. Okay, I've got three. I've got a short, long, and a long. So okay. I can do them in any order. Are yours spooky or true crimey? Mine are all spookies. Mine are all true crimey. Oh, perfect. It's Sweet. like we coordinated, but we didn't. Yeah, I realized uh, halfway through finding stories that maybe we should have asked each other what kind of things we were going to look uh, for, because what if we overlapped? Thank goodness we didn't. We didn't. We <laughs> had our act together. Look at us. We got our episode posted a night in advance. We did our research. We didn't overlap. It's like we're real people. I know. It's like we're real human adults that have like the capacity to do things without getting super distracted. I'm only talking about myself like for sure, but I'm pretty sure we both have some issues with that. I'm like an ADHD toddler, guys. <laughs> yeah. I'm genuinely getting evaluated to find out if I have ADHD. So, woo! <laughs> Attention deficit. Ooh, look shiny. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're just magpies. That's really what it comes down to. We are magpies. But, but with things to do. and Well, and shinies too, but mostly with things to do. You said shinies, didn't you? I did. I heard Chinese instead of shinies, oh. and I was very confused for a moment. No. But I mean, yeah, no. I do like Chinese food, but no. Mm, Chinese food. Okay, so about that <laughs> whole thing where we can do things without getting distracted, I'm going to say you go first on your story. <laughs> All right. Decisions made. God, one of us has to. Clearly not going to be me. <laughs> uh, All right. So first up, I've got from, he's, I think it's a he. I imagine it is. Um, The general... Or the digital director at GQ magazine, Mr. John Wilde, says, I was four, maybe five, sleeping in a, okay, boy, in a big boy bed in a room I shared with my younger brother, who was fast asleep at the time. Though I barely moved at all, or though I barely move at all now, my girlfriend refers to my preferred sleeping position as the bouncer. Flat on back, arms crossed, no movement. <laughs> 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 All right, that's yeah. Uh, yeah. That that's a good description for a bouncer. Um, back then, I tended to thrash a lot and wake up often as a result. So one night, I found myself half covered in blankets, awake, and staring at a young woman dressed in flowy white clothing. She's sitting on the ground, back against a very wood- large wooden toy box at the foot of my bed, just reading a book. Nope. 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 The memory always feels a little fuzzy, and to be honest, at this point, my mom tells it better than I do, but I saw her and slowly pulled the sheets up to my eyes, scared as fuck. I'd pull them back down, and she'd still be there, and I'd pull them back up. I don't know how long this went on, an hour, 30 seconds, I really couldn't tell, but it felt like forever. Somehow, I fell back asleep, woke up the next morning, told my mom what I'd seen, I don't know if she believes in ghosts, but she doesn't not believe in ghosts. And she listened and cared. And then, and then, weeks later, my mom was digging through the attic for something, and she stumbled on a picture painting thing, you know, oh, like dear. they did back in the 80s, basically like tchotchke art. It was a woman, in white, wrapped in clouds of fabric. 
We'd owned the house for a couple years at this point, so who knows where it came from, but my mom liked it and hung it up in the bathroom, so I basically got to relive my ghost story every time I went to the bathroom. Nope. 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 Okay. Mm-mm. So that reminds me, and I know my mother-in-law listens to this, so she'll also laugh about this, but uh, Blake, his grandma, or Lyle's mom, Hazel, she she loves clowns, which is automatically also, no. a horrifying thing for me but they're all over her bathroom including like <gasps> one of those like stuffed toy clown Ugh. statue things Ugh. and it's in the bathroom and when you go to wash your hands it's like behind you in the mirror Ugh. and it's terrifying i hate it so much but oh my god why because she loves it and it makes her happy Aww. and Hazel, oh. I'm sorry, but it creeps everyone out. <laughs> <laughs> I am forever thankful that uh, my my future mother-in-law likes hot air balloons, not clowns. Hot air mm. balloons are very acceptable. What if clowns there's a, a clown face painted on it? Burn it with fire. <laughs> None of them oh. have clown faces, I don't think. But burn it yes. with fire is to still my answer if it starts existing. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to get you, like, your first year in the house ornament that's a, a hot air balloon with that painted on it. I hate you and, and then I love it'll you. Have, it'll have a heart on the back. Oh, my God. You know I'm going to smash that thing, right? I know. It'll be cheap. It's okay. Okay. Uh, good times. All right. How about you? Okay. Oh, that's that's the end of that story. Like, yeah, he just it. had to continue reliving yeah. it. They clearly, yep. like, permanently haunted their home and just it welcomed the spirit in. Yep, that's where it what? ends. I. <laughs> uh. What the fuck? Okay. Yep. Okay. Well, speaking of what the fuck, let me Which... tell you about. Uh, and I, I will say that I. I'm going to be careful with usernames. I got all of mine from Reddit, and there's one or two that I don't think would want their username shared. Uh, Fair enough. So, first one should be fine to share. It's uh, Mrs. Potts Stark <laughs> is the username from Reddit. Okay. It's awesome. Um, and it's titled, That Time I Was Almost Kidnapped in Thailand. Oh. Oh, yeah. You we did. went <laughs> real dark. <laughs> You did apologize for these stories, so I don't know why I expected anything different, but all right. This is the least bad in my estimation. Oh, okay. So well, I'm, start I'm small. sorry, and let's get into it. Start small. This was back in January of 2018. It took me a few years and a little therapy to be able to talk about it. I'm okay now and thought I would share. It's a little long, but buckle up. I was part of a study abroad program in Bangkok, which was awesome for the record. Not long after being there, my fellow students and I went out for a night on the town. After a night of drinking and running amok in Bangkok, we somehow ended up in a back alley illegal strip club. Here is where I think it is important to mention that I am female, and I was the only female in the group that night. I saw things that I will never unsee in the 15 minutes we were there, and it honestly keeps me up at night once in a while. Let's just say that it was pretty obvious the women did not want to be there. Very quickly, I also did not want to be there. About five minutes into this really, really misguided decision, I realized that two guys from my group are talking to a guy in a red polo shirt. What? Oh, man. 
There are many guys in red polo shirts scattered throughout the room, and none of them look very pleasant. One of my buddies, let's call him M, comes back over to me laughing, points back at the red shirt, and says, hey, he's trying to get me to sell you to him for $10 American. What? But I keep telling him you're worth more than $10. What? But he says $10 is the highest he'll go. No. I have never noped out of a situation so fast in my entire life, and everyone went with me. I'm an experienced Ugh. traveler, so I did take the opportunity to use this as a learning experience for M as to how quickly these situations can go south and how important it is to be on your guard in a foreign country. I'm thinking he learned his lesson. We all got outside, safe, no harm, no foul. I admit that I became a little more withdrawn from the group. Everyone went out partying every night. I went to school, occasionally ate out, did some daytime shopping at the markets, or hung out in a high-end spa near the hotel for, like, 20 to 50 American dollars, you can get pampered like a queen, and a broke college kid took advantage. Kudos to you, Mrs. Potstark. Strong approve. Two other girls joined me on my adventures, and we had a great time overall. Before we were scheduled to return back to the States, my other classmates, okay, it was all M, finally convinced me to go out for a night on the town with them to some strip. People were eating scorpions on a stick. Some dumb girl from Australia who had joined our group took a hit of some gas they were selling on the street and threw up everywhere. Why? People were packed in elbow to elbow, and there was a lot of rave-style lights and music. Massive sensory overload. I figured that I am with a group of 20 people from the U.S. and Australia. If there was a time to drink and party in a foreign country, this is it. So this drinking started. The party began. Okay, so my when I first read through this, my initial red flag was... Uh, that is the exact situation I would run away from and not right. drink during. So also, anything that involves mm. M, like, you don't jokingly even try and sell your friends. That's not okay. No. Not okay. <clears throat> yeah, so very clearly M, M was misguided. Okay, so back to the story. With drinking, eventually comes the need for a restroom. So I told M I was going to find one and I would be right back. M chose that moment to be a diva, started hammering back drinks, and demanding everyone's attention. I might have been gone ten minutes tops. I come back and everyone is gone. I got the story later that the Aussies left and the rest of my group had to chase down M when he ran off in a drunken display for attention. So I walk over to the entrance of this strip where we were dropped off and sit on a picnic table near all the cabs to wait for my group. Two and a half hours go by, it's almost 1am, the street is still packed, and I have seen no one from my group. I'm starting to get a little concerned because I have no idea where we really are. But others had been coming to the strip every night, but it was my first time. Oh. Okay, so experienced traveler. I don't even have the address to the hotel written down in English or in Thai, and I don't speak freaking Thai. Luckily, I haven't had a drink in two and a half hours, so I'm pretty stone cold sober at this point. I've been here long enough to know that taking a tuk-tuk, the open wheelie cab thing, is much cheaper than taking an actual cab, but not long enough to realize that taking a tuk-tuk at 1am as a female alone is a bad idea. I show the driver my room key, oh the naive child I was, we negotiate a price, and I hop in. But he goes in the opposite direction from where our cab came in from to drop us off initially, and we took a highway to get there, but my tuk-tuk driver is on all residential streets. Then he hits an alley. Okay, I am on red alert right now. He stops. I'm poised, ready to strike, should I need to. And next to me on my left, a garage door rolls up. One of those rattly pull-up down wantons by hand. And a group of men come out. Nope. One of who is holding a blue purse. 
I stuck around just long enough to watch him start walking over and unzipping said purse as he moved, and I bolted. I barely shook off the tuk-tuk driver. I just kept putting one foot in front of the other, crying because I couldn't breathe and thinking to myself, I'm going to die because I couldn't be bothered to go to a gym. (laughs) That's a mood. That is a straight-up fucking mood. (laughs) I ran until I saw it. The familiarity of home. A 7-Eleven in the middle of this Thai neighborhood. I'm hysterical as I come through that door like the Kool-Aid man himself. (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. Potstark, you have such a way with words. I love Uh, it. The cashier starts yelling at me to get out in Thai, and I'm yelling in English that my tuk-tuk driver tried to sell me, and I'm not going anywhere. We go at it for a minute or two of me begging him to help me, and this little tiny four-foot elderly Thai woman comes up to me with an equally tiny grocery cart full of two-liter bottles of Pepsi. She hands my... She takes my hand and my room key. She never says a word to me, not a single word. She leads me outside, hails a cab, has a solid 60-second conversation with the driver, and pushes me into the back seat. The scariest part of my entire night, though, was that 15-minute cab ride back to my hotel, not knowing if this little Thai woman had sold me out or sent me home to safety. The cab driver had to stop and ask for directions about three minutes from the hotel, and that was probably the moment I knew this was going to affect me mentally. The ride cost me $10 in American, and I tipped him 60 You know, for not selling me into the slave trade. <sighs> I know! Oh. <sighs> also, kudos to that little lady, because yeah. women stick together. Ugh. Yeah, so that, also, that, was, fuck that was my first one. Fuck M. What a freaking diva douchebag. Ugh, what a dick. Yeah. Also, see, like, <clears throat> that's that's one of the things that always makes me paranoid as a traveler is those kind of situations. This Ugh. is why I know, like, I would love to be a person who is comfortable enough to travel yeah. alone, but I'm just, I don't think I'm ever going to do it. I'm not going to be a solo traveler. If I am meeting someone there... Like, in, in another country, and I can just take the plane alone? Sure, yeah, pick sure. me up at the airport. But, like, I'm not going to go to a country alone because it just does not feel safe as a female. Yeah, I agree. Which is unfortunate, yeah. but true. But this is also why we have female friends that like to travel. Woohoo! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. If we get kidnapped, we get kidnapped together. <laughs> or we can just not get kidnapped. How about that option? That, that is the ideal. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Okay, your turn. All right, so this is also a Reddit one, and I feel like it's a pretty ambiguous username. Uh, Frosted Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that that's an okay one to share. It doesn't give away anything. So they wrote, I need to write this down and share because this is a totally different experience than just ghosts, angels, demons, all of that. I feel like you'll be very much intrigued and confused if you can read this entire story. This is a long story about an entity I have had attached to me for roughly two and a half to three years now. And honestly, I'm so heightened to experiences that I was never really terrified or wanting to cleanse the energy away due to the fact that I have very different and abstract spiritual beliefs only because of my personal experiences. Alright. I seriously believe that whatever this entity is was never human or even part of our realm. I'll go more into depth later in the story, but this creature almost mocks the Christian ideologies of angels and demons. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah. This entity is not negative nor positive, and I believe it does not have a gender, although I do feel a more mag- er, masculine presence over a feminine one. 
So let's begin. The first experience I ever had with this creature clicked in my head and has made me shift my idea on how the entity became attached to me. At first I believed it was because I had used a Ouija board and a few days after I noticed the presence a lot more, but no. I have later remembered I did a guided third eye meditation, which is no longer on YouTube, and I'm glad because if this happened to someone who wasn't as capable with energies, I would be very worried. Okay. That right there is why I avoid any guided meditations that say they're going to open any chakras or eyes or any of that shit. I'm just like, no, no, just tell me the body scan. Tell me to wiggle my toes. That's yep. all I want. I agree. The meditation I did about four and a half years ago was very strange. I remember lying down on my bed and listening to the voice on the video. It started by asking you to breathe in a very strange way. You almost had to have a shaking breathing style and listen to audios I've never heard on any other guided or non-guided meditation, and I've participated in endless amounts of them. During the meditation, I felt and envisioned a large black hand with long nails on the left side of my chest. It felt as if I was sitting up in my bed and I could feel the hand push me gently back down. I didn't want to break the meditative state, and even though my heart began to race, I continued to keep my eyes closed, and I followed till the end of the meditation when I could hear the voice giving cues to wake up again. After sitting up, all I could see was a strange purple aura surrounding everything I looked at. This'll come into play later. After that meditation, I never really noticed the energy slash hand again until fast forward a few years when I used the Ouija board. A few days after using the board, I started to feel a very angry, masculine presence on the far corner of my garage, the same garage I used the board in. I paid no mind to it, uh, really at first, due to the fact that ever since I was a child, I've been having experiences and feeling energies, so at this point I was fairly accustomed to it. The energy started to feel, started to become more comfortable with my presence, and I began to no longer feel that negative style of energy. I can feel a very heavy energy in my stomach and chest, but it's no longer dark and negative. After a few months of feeling the presence every day, it began, for lack of better language, trying to fuck with me more in a childish yet more powerful way than I've ever felt any other energy do. This energy, I strongly believe, is the most powerful I've ever personally encountered and possibly will ever encounter. Oh, I don't like this. Oh, dear. <sighs> The entity would always be behind me when I was walking to the garage door Ugh. to leave. Ugh, I don't like that. Ugh. I don't even like Rory walking behind me. It just reminds me of like when I'd come up from the basement at my grandparents' house. Like, <laughs> you always feel like there's something right behind you. Ugh, I don't like it. Ugh. Many times I would go to open the door and it would close itself. I could feel the entity behind me and I started to talk aloud to it from then on. I don't get verbal responses that I can hear or responses sometimes at all. It's more the entity will do something in response to my words or will shift the energy I'm feeling as to give a response. The entity definitely likes to use doors the best when it wants my attention, but it has actually touched me like the meditation and a few <laughs> other times. <laughs> I was with my friend at probably 2 a.m. in our small town in the grocery store parking lot on our bikes. We didn't want to drive since it was summer and we were taking in the fresh air. I closed my eyes while I was standing there in the empty parking lot, and I was gently hovering over my bike and my friend was beside me. 
All of a sudden, I felt those same black hands with the sharp nails gently on my lower back. I immediately opened my eyes and looked to my friend, who could immediately see something had happened. I asked if she'd touched me, which she said no, since she was beside me the whole time. She would start to sometimes feel the entity's energy around me. Oh, poor friend. One time I was driving, probably a couple weeks after the parking lot incident, and she saw the hand come beside my face while I was driving. <sighs> ah. That same summer, we went on a trip with, together with two other people. There was a small pond near the Airbnb where we were staying at, and about 3 a.m., we were about to go to the pond, and one of the people we were with yelled, that's a terrible idea, Hail Satan! Into oh my the, good god! Right, into the pond's forested area. I told my friend after that that the entity was planting the idea in my head that we shouldn't go in there. I was feeling super heavy, and as I said, she had a look in her eye that I won't forget. She mentioned she could see the dark entity wrapping its arms around my shoulders as if to hold me down and not go in. Oh. We went to the pond area anyway, and a light from the utility shed kept flashing on and off a total of three separate times. My friend and I knew we all had to pack our stuff up and leave the bench we were sitting on. We left the pond, and the next day, the other two people on the trip, who aren't very spiritually inclined or open to it, left for the day, and my friend and I went back to the pond we had or where we had both been and had an overwhelming need, for whatever reason, to look at the bench that we'd been sitting <laughs> on the night before. It was a memorial bench, and the other two had disrespected that space, and I believe that's why the entity was trying to get me to leave the pond early that night. Fast forward to after the summer trip around October 2019, I started dating my current significant other, and my friend from before was at my significant other's house with me and her boyfriend at the time. We're all sitting at the kitchen table, and the door behind us opened by itself. My friend looked to me and said, Hey! So I replied, That's not very nice, sir. Close the door. Needless to say, everyone nearly died of shock when the door immediately closed. This is when I started to really know this entity is very, very real. It will do things in front of people I'm around and not just in front of me, and that's what's really stuck in my head. Other small experiences, oh, I don't like this, include the shower curtain blowing open while I was showering, <gasps> which is my Rude. worst nightmare. Like, it's just rude. Like, if that makes me cold, don't do that. And we all are paranoid that, like, we're going to be, like, mid-washing our face and... Oh, yeah. If you're, Especially if the eyes were closed when that happened. Like, that right. just feels like a murderer is coming yeah. at you. Yeah. Uh, the screen door to my house holding open once I swung it open and there was no wind. A door near my entryway always opens when I haven't paid much attention to the entity's presence and it wants to remind me I'm there. When I was watching The Nun, oh, God. Oh, God, why would you watch that? Uh, he mimicked the hands over my face in the coffin scene to mock the Christian demons in movie. <gasps> I could go on, but I think you get the idea. I've noticed that this entity has a purple aura, which is what made me realize it was attached to me, most likely because of that meditation. Anyway, this entity is still always around me. Just yesterday, I got goosebumps and chills over my entire body when I was in down mood, and I could feel the entity directly behind me, not trying to drain my energy, but I was feeling very alone, and it was almost like it was trying to comfort me. I have decided I'm not going to try and cleanse this energy away, and I'll let it stay for as long as it feels like since I'm not being drained, 
it's not hurting anyone, and I see no need to detach the entity if it doesn't want to go, and it isn't doing anything. It's been attached to me for fully up to three years now, and it's now a normal part of my daily life. If you've made it to the end of my scrambled story, I'm glad I could keep your interest, and I'd love to know what you think of this. Ugh, well, Frosted Turkey, that is a ride. (laughs) I mean, frankly, it sounds like you've almost made yourself a protective little purple aura bud. Yeah, little protective spirit friend, hopefully. Yeah. And I want to know so much more. Please send more information. Right. I I have many questions, but more than that, I that's can the kind of story ask. that I want to hear every single experience that has happened because yeah. I'm curious. I don't uh, want to be part of the experiences. I want to hear about them. <laughs> yes, I want to be a fly on the wall listening to the story at a diner about the experiences. Right. I do not want to personally experience them. Please. I no. basically want you to tell us the podcast version of this yeah exactly shocker Uh, that we (laughs) went the podcast route um uh, okay so uh (laughs) speaking of curtains uh my my next one is titled curtains were invented for a reason everyone well okay i'm not sure which direction this is going but you're not wrong (laughs) it's definitely not incorrect i i think the name is probably safe to share on this one this isn't a stocky one it's a Movulus. Movulus. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Okay. Well, it's one of my stories is like a stocky one, so I, I'm going to be very careful with that one, but it's not this gotcha. one. Gotcha. Okay. I had this posted somewhere else, and it was suggested I post here. Finally getting around to it. Here's my let's not meet experience. I'm a girl, and this happened when I was 20 in the early 2000s. People used landlines, and cell phones were not unlimited. This happened in town about an hour away from Sacramento. My friend was house-sitting for a family that her family was friends with from church. She was to house-sit in the country just outside of town for a week. They had animals like cats, rabbits, a donkey, and a horse. Family also had dogs too, but the family took the dogs with them. My friend was in charge of feeding the animals and watching the place. She didn't have to get the mail daily because they had this metal lockbox-style mailbox down their long driveway. They didn't have any neighbors for miles, just fields of alfalfa, cattle, and corn. So I guess the lockbox was for safety. Okay. Towards the end of the week, she asked if I wanted to spend the night and keep her company, and I thought it sounded fun. I had moved out of my aunts and uncles and gotten my own apartment, so I told her I'd pick her up on the way there after I got out of work. We got there around 9.30pm, grabbing dinner on the way. We went into the barn first thing and fed the animals. It was late for their dinner and they made their hunger known with their animal noises. (laughs) We made sure they had water, then went inside. The house was this big ranch-style house. Single story, the living room was to the left as you went into the home. There was a long hallway directly to the right of the entrance that led to where the bathroom and bedrooms were. Straight ahead was a dining area and to the left of that was the kitchen area and a patio door. They did not have an open floor plan. In the kitchen, on the opposite side of the dining area was a long hall that had several doors. My friend explained that the wife ran a daycare center out of the house. These Mm. rooms were play areas for the kids she took care of. Mm. We didn't bother going over there because we had no interest. We watched some TV, ate our leftovers, and talked about people we knew. As it got later, she turned on the house alarm and said she didn't like sleeping in other people's beds, so she had been sleeping on the couch, then offered it to me. She said she would sleep on one of the two huge recliners that reclined so far back it was almost flat. 
The chairs were really comfortable, so I just said I'd take the chair. I went and laid back in a chair with my blanket. We turned off the TV and were talking for maybe 20 minutes in the dark when the motion sensor floodlights started shining through the windows lighting up the room. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah, you're not going to like any of this. Uh, okay. <clears throat> now, I really have no idea why people in the country think it's okay not to have curtains or blinds. Because to me, that's insane. We both got quiet and Amanda says, maybe it was one of the cats? Then we start hearing gravel crunch, like a person walking across gravel in the parking area outside. My chair was closest to the window and I slid carefully down to the floor, clutching the stupid blanket the whole time. The floodlight timed out and my friend slid to the floor too. We laid on our stomachs in the dark, not knowing what to do for a minute. Then we heard a loud bang. And all of a sudden, the house alarm started blaring and the floodlights turned on again. Oh, no. It was so loud, we covered our ears and I started to panic. I swear I have never been so close to peeing my pants in my life. <laughs> I began crawling towards the... Com- I mean, me too, just reading yeah, the story. Fair point. I began crawling towards the keypad for the security because I've seen the commercials. There's a button you push and a person responds to you in case of an emergency or at least sends the police. The main screen says patio one of two open. Amanda starts to cry a little and hits the call assistance button on the pad and nothing happens. Oh no. There's no assistance. I ask her where the phone is and she says there's a phone in the kitchen and one in the parents' room down the hall. Mm. So our choices are to go to the kitchen past the windows and next to one of the patio doors or to go down the hall to the parents' room and use the phone there. I asked her where the other patio is, and she said it was in the daycare center part of the house. It was an easy decision. We go inside the parents' room, and it's pitch black. I asked her, where's the phone? And she says, I think we have to turn on a light. Okay. I really don't want to turn on a light, but have no choice. I don't have a flashlight, and I didn't bring my cell because I had limited minutes. It was a simpler time, and Amanda didn't even get her own cell until after this happened. She turns on the light. (laughs) I would have followed the same path. So Amanda turns on the lights and we start looking around the room. Not only did these people not have curtains on any window, but they didn't even have closet doors. We see a golf club. Yeah, apparently they didn't have closet doors. What? What kind of seems strange. Okay. Kind of lucky in this instance, though, because they were able to see a golf club leaning against the wall by the bed. Um... Oh, wait, no, that's not even in the closet. (laughs) So it's just pointless. Um, They probably have it instead of a baseball bat, which is what I had next to my bed at home. Good for you. Uh, Definitely have your protection. Okay. So we figure if we hit someone with it, it's going to leave a mark. She grabs it and we continue our search for the phone. Looking at the obvious places, we find a cordless phone stand minus the actual phone. Okay. The alarm is still raging, we have a light on, and the person who opened the patio door is bound to notice, is all I'm thinking at this point. She says, should we use the locate phone buttons? I look at her and respond, yeah, if you want some strange guy coming in here with it and asking us if we were looking for something. I'm getting mad that I'm scared and in this situation. (laughs) Standing there knowing that we have to go to the kitchen, the the house alarm stops. It gets country quiet. If you've lived in the country, you know what I'm talking about. There isn't another golf club for me to grab, so I make her go out first, flipping every light on (laughs) and keeping the doors we pass in the hall closed. We double-check the security panel, and it still says patio open. Mm. Hit call button, and it still doesn't work. Double-checking the front door is locked, we start for the kitchen. 
I tell her we have to check the patio near the kitchen, and I grab a big knife that wasn't even close to being sharp from the kitchen. We check the patio door near the kitchen, and it's locked. We turn on all the lights and grab the phone and dial 911. The phone isn't a cordless phone. It's one of the old ones with a cord attached on a wall. My friend is on the phone with the dispatcher telling her what happened, and I hear a whistle coming from outside the kitchen window. The thing people don't think about, because I didn't think... I I didn't in my thinking that safety was turning on the lights is while you have the reflection of the inside on the window, people on the outside have a clear view of you unless you press your face against the window. Yeah. I hear the whistle again and it sounds like someone trying to get someone else's attention kind of whistle, but I don't see anything outside and I'm not pressing my face to the window to see if I'm the person they're whistling for. Nope. Smart. My friend is still talking to the dispatcher and is crying and saying she doesn't have the address to the house. She hands me the phone, and I say, hello? The dispatcher lady, who sounds annoyed, tells me she needs an address to send police to. I ask that she trace the call, and she says something like, you're house-sitting and you don't even know where you're at? Scared, angry, and overwhelmed, I hand the phone back to Amanda and start looking for something with an address in the kitchen. I'm looking in the junk drawer, on the counter, on the refrigerator, fully keeping an eye down the hall that has the daycare rooms, knowing that on the other side of one of those doors is a patio door that was opened. Amanda tells the lady that she doesn't pick up the mail because of their lockbox, and then, a few seconds later, removes the phone from her ear and stares at me with a blank face. I ask her if they're tracing the call because I cannot find anything with an address. Amanda tells me, she said, I hope the police find you in time and hung up the phone. I was now really scared and angry at the same time. That dispatcher sounds like a dick. What? Yeah. Yeah. So... We knew that there were people outside. We knew that the patio door to the daycare area was opened. We did not know what to do. We stood in the kitchen, silent for what seemed like forever, but probably about a minute. I picked up the phone and dialed 411. I told Amanda that they would have the number to the police department. As calmly as I could, I explained what was happening to us to 411. I included the 911 dispatcher and said we really needed the phone number of the town's police department. When we heard a huge metal bang outside the kitchen window by the patio door, it sounded like someone dropped something metal and heavy. Amanda started crying and I couldn't hold in my fear anymore and I started crying too. The 411 operator said they were connecting us and would stay on the line with us after getting pissed at the 911 dispatcher on our behalf. Good Good job, 411. A police officer answered the phone, and the 411 operator started explaining what was happening to the police. They were asked to disconnect once we had an established connection. The police asked a few questions, and we heard the whistle again outside, and floodlights all around the house turned on again. I was too scared to look outside, and we had never turned on the patio light because we had to walk past the patio window to get to the the switch. We told the policeman on the phone about the whistle, and he said that there should be several policemen showing up shortly and to stay on the phone. We were just outside town limits and knew it might take a few minutes. Having an officer on the phone made me feel a little better, but I was still really scared. He told us that the police arrived and were coming up the drive. The policeman said to put down the phone and open the door, so I did. What I saw was a police pickup truck with spotlights flashing into the pastures that ran along both sides of the drive, two officers, not with handguns but with shotguns, walking slowly beside the truck as it came up the long drive. Police responded, seriously. I appreciate it. Yeah, no kidding. Four officers approached the house asking us our names. One went to the phone and said they were here and hung up the phone. They ordered us to stay in the dining room and began searching the house and property. 
One by one, they returned. The last one came back in through the patio door by the kitchen. He said he searched the barn and the horse scared him, and the horse also looked spooked. He asked what other animals were in the barn. They told us they didn't find anyone and that the daycare patio was not locked. There was, however, a broom handle in the track to prevent it from being opened too far. Oh, that's lucky. Yay. I looked at the patio door that the officer entered in and saw there was not a broom handle in that one, then felt dumb because he'd just walked through it. They lectured Amanda about not knowing the address of the house she was supposed to be responsible for and other stuff I don't remember. <laughs> After finishing statements, they said they'd stick around and look more, and if we wanted we could wanted to leave, we could. They could lock the bottom lock, but not activate the alarm, and we were cool with that. We were out of there so fast. Oh, we got yeah. into my car and went to her mom's. <clears throat> okay, almost done. <laughs> so, mentally exhausted, we fell asleep and went to my office job the next morning. She said she, Amanda said she didn't really want to go back to the house, but she had to feed the animals their breakfast. Her mom told her to take her sister, and she did. That afternoon, she called me at work. She was really nervous and began telling me that when they went into the house, there was footprints and poop on the carpet. She said it was probably the cop that checked, I said it was probably the cop that checked the barn. She said that she didn't know or pay attention. Also, she said that when they went into the barn to feed and water the animals in the morning, someone had tied all the rabbits' legs together in their hutchets. What? They had 10 rabbits the kids used for 4-H. Amanda then continues to say there was a note with the word lucky scribbled on the back of a pizza Whoa. coupon she thought came from the refrigerator door because the flyer was missing a coupon. Oh, no. It took a while for them to untie the rabbits, and Amanda asked her mom to find someone else from their church to finish the house sitting. She was not going back. She also told the officer what she came back to, but no one was ever caught, and the police never called either of us to update us. So TLDR with a f with a friend while she ha house sat at a small farm that had a DIY daycare and no curtains on any window while people who were talented whistlers were actively breaking in. Nine one one said, "I hope to find you in time." And four one one are rock stars. Someone oh. stepped in poop and got it on the carpet. Someone used the good pizza coupon, but we're lucky, so it's okay. Oh, <laughs> I'm so mad at that nine one one operator. Right? Like, what a freaking... I, you, you don't just say that. I hope they were fired. I hope so. Like, I don't wish that on many people, but I'll wish that one. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yep. Yep. All right. So I've got one from Jacqueline at yourtravelflamingo.com. Um, she's got some, some fun stories, and she's a travel blogger. But this one's about the really, really creepy picture from our Airbnb. Ooh. So in 2018, two of my close girlfriends and a guy friend decided to spend New Year's Eve partying in London. Sounds fun. <laughs> we booked an Airbnb flat through Booking.com and for a few days leading up to the New Year. Upon checking in, the apartment seemed completely normal. In fact, it was exceptionally bright and cheerful looking due to the chic decor and the big windows. The only thing that looked off was this creepy sketch of a half-faceless child that was, oh. <laughs> that was mounted right next to the front door. In this sketch, the child has dark holes for eyes. It was holding a doorway with only half his face poking out, the other half in shadows. Just creepy. I remember my friends and I making some cheeky comments about it and how the owner must be a bit of a nut job. 
we didn't think about it much further than that. We were much more preoccupied with the pubs we were heading out to for the night. Around 9pm, we headed out for the night, and I was the one to lock the door. I specifically remember turning the key and locking the door before we left, and nothing more. I'm sure of that. That's why what happened when we returned disturbs me the most, possibly more than the others. We came home between 2 and 3 a.m. Admittedly, we were all a little tipsy, but none of us were anywhere near incoherent. I handed my guy friend the key and let him open the door since he was in front of me. We watched him struggle for a few seconds, unsure why he was having such a hard time. I just assumed he'd maybe had too many drinks, but after a couple seconds, he was still struggling. It wasn't until he started throwing his shoulder into the door that it finally busted open. He had forced the door open, which ended up breaking the doorframe. Oh, jeez. The doorframe had been yanked off the wall by the chain, which was secured onto the door. The frame had broken and was half dangling in midair and half supported against the open door. We stood there, staring at it for a few seconds, and in my drunk mind, I couldn't understand why that happened. It took a few seconds before I realized what was wrong. We stood in that doorway, confused as hell. The reason he couldn't open the door was because it was chained shut from the inside. Oh, I hate that. There was no way that chain could have been locked from the outside, and since I was the one to close it, I knew for a fact I hadn't touched that chain. Our initial thought was that someone was in the apartment, which was a huge reason for concern. My guy friend, armed with liquid courage, went to inspect the small apartment. It didn't take long for him to announce there was no one there. Moreover, we were located on the 14th floor in a glass building with no balconies. There was no way someone could have gotten in while we were out except through the front door. If they did come in through the front, they'd have had to have locked unlock the chain to get back out the front. I started to get a really tense feeling in that hallway, and remember just not wanting to look towards that creepy-ass sketch on the wall, and I felt like something was there looking at us. It was. It was that creepy child sketch. Oh, I hate that they, even if they wanted to exit, they would have to go past it again. Right. The realization that someone or something had been in our apartment set in. Whatever it was, it had the ability to physically lift and secure the door chain onto the latch. In England, these chains are big and heavy. You have to lift it up and slide it with intention through the latch to lock it. There was no chance of trying to blame it on non-existent wind or anything somewhat rational, so needless to say, we were pretty scared. Some of us in the group didn't believe in the paranormal before that, but I think that changed after that night. We slept together that evening, and I'm pretty sure we ended up leaving the light on. We didn't have any other incidents for the other two nights we stayed, and I don't remember thinking about it that much. However, I will say I definitely avoided looking at that sketch by the front door for the rest of our stay. I would have been gone. (sighs) After we checked out, I emailed the owner telling him about the experience. He confirmed that no one could have gotten into the apartment, but didn't divulge anything further. Recently, upon doing some research, I learned that the apartment is no longer on Airbnb or booking. I wonder if it received negative reviews from guests who experienced what we did, preventing it from getting booked on those websites. I did find it on Expedia and Travelocity, though. Hmm. 
Did you go find it by chance? I did not, because I wasn't sure. She didn't post any link to it, so. I see. Yeah. Yikes. Any kind of, like, sketch of children, I'm out. I just, I, at best, it should be, like, motel art if it's 100% of the time used for rental. Yeah. Just be nice to people. Just clear it out. Just give me some weird painted flowers and abstract art. We're good. Yeah. Give give me weird motel in art. I'm good with that. Okay. I've got a long one that's really creepy. I've got a short one. Or we can end it on that creeptastic child one. I mean, now I'm curious about your last two. I could just read them both and have a a super long one. Okay, here. We'll do the short one first. So this is titled, What If My Neighbor Wasn't There? by 224th. That's their username, 224th. The number. Um, Not as terrifying as the other posts, but from my experience it was. Just a little background on myself. I'm a 5 foot, 100 pound, 20 year old female and I live very close to my city's worst neighborhood. Maybe reconsider your location if that is within your budget. Just, Just an option. This happened back in November. This was posted six days ago. Oh, okay. This happened back in November. I had just finished work and took the bus home like every closing shift. I always walk through my local park as my home is really close to it. It was around 5.30 p.m. I live in Canada, and in winter it starts getting really dark during this time, and the post lights were on, but it was still dark. I proceeded to walk as nobody was there, and I enjoyed my alone time Especially, and I enjoy my alone time, especially while walking. I had my AirPods on blast, but I decided to lower the volume because I noticed a black figure walking to my right. Mind you, I was walking on the path under the lights, but this person was literally under the trees where it is dark and hidden. I personally wasn't too scared. I just thought, why? I kept glancing and he was dead ass walking the same speed, like he was trying to catch up with me. As I was near the exit, he turned and came walking directly at me. It turned out to be a guy dressed in all black wearing a black face mask and had his hoodie on. He ended up passing by me, and we both met each other's eyes. What really freaks me out is that I have never seen anybody when I walked into the park. That I never saw anybody the moment I walked into the park. It was dead, and I really don't walk through there if I see people. Smart. I noticed that one of my neighbors was standing outside of his house, so I figured maybe this guy realized and decided to pass by me because if he had attacked me, I could have screamed and alerted my neighbor. I always think if my neighbor wasn't there, that dude would have made a move on me. Once I got out, I turned around to see if the guy was still there, but he was no longer in sight. That really freaked me out, so I sped walked while making sure nobody was behind me because my home is visible once you exit the park. After this strange encounter, I stopped walking through the park when it gets dark, and now I keep dog spray on me. Smart. Smart. Smart decisions all around. Also, might I recommend not wearing headphones while walking in the dark? Yeah, or at least leave one out. Minimum. Or if you're wearing, like, if you want to wear the headphones, but you just don't listen to anything, that's okay, too. Yeah. If you just want people to leave you alone, headphones are a great deterrent, but also... Bad people take it as a signal that you're not paying attention and it's not the safest thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is the one that I'm not going to say their username and I might edit some of the details just for potential safety. It was posted four days ago and it's called Be Careful Looking for Pen Pals. Oh. Do people? Yeah, you don't like. I didn't realize people still did pen pals. 
Yes. Oh, uh, well. Though apparently this did happen years ago. Oh, okay. Um, which I think is why they're comfortable posting it now. So this happened years ago when I had gotten my first actual job, not just babysitting or working at a family friend's restaurant and just keeping my tips. Um, I didn't think much of it. I figured it was harmless. I could find people around the country to chat with, learn about some other cultures, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Online pen pal. I wouldn't give out personal information about myself. No phone number, address, none of that. I wasn't stupid. I feel like that's going to come into play. Uh, You'll find out. I I made a simple profile, stated what kind of friends I was interested in making, just basic stuff. After about a month, I received a message from a man. I don't remember it word for word, but basically it said, Hi, I found your profile and I'm super interested in being friends. He then stated that he lived in the same state as me. Though I know maybe it was rude to be snobby about someone in my state contacting me, I did politely say on my profile that I was trying to make pen pals outside of the U.S., I responded politely, though, and I replied to a few of his messages for a while. Then I found out he lived in the same city as me. Oh. Yeah. So, this is one of his messages. I see you like anime. I love anime. I also see you've been to Japan. I've been to Japan, too. Do you go to anime conventions? Maybe we could go together to the next convention that comes to town. I felt a little uncomfortable. I put on my profile that I had no intention of meeting up with anyone. I just wanted an online pen pal. I politely told him that, and he didn't like it. I just thought we could be friends since we have similar interests. I again politely told him I'm not interested in meeting anyone in person from the website. He pretended to be fine with it and went right back to rambling about his interests. I logged out of the website for a few days and just focused on my personal life, going to work, doing schoolwork, and taking care of my father. One day, I woke up to notifications on multiple of my instant messenger apps, all stating basically the same thing. Hey... It's me from the pen pal website. Nope. He messaged me on four of my chat apps, which I did not give him. Nope. And I don't know how he found them. Don't like it. I was really annoyed. As politely as I could, I messaged him on the pen pal website. Hey, so I don't know how you found my IDs for my chat apps, but that was over the line. That wasn't really appropriate. Not one app, but you messaged me on like four. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I really wanted to talk to you and you haven't been on the website for a few days. We that don't doesn't owe make it you a- our attention. We don't owe you shit. Uh, that doesn't make it okay. I also have a personal life and a job and a family. I can't spend all my time on here. That's why I messaged you on those apps. You don't get to force shit on people who don't want it. Nope. Uh, I don't have them listed on my profile. How did you even find them? He didn't respond. Mm. He just said, I'm sorry I did that. I'm just trying to be your friend. I just want to be friends with you. Bullshit. Nope. I call bullshit. Uh, This isn't the way to do it. I'm very uncomfortable that you somehow found that information that I didn't give to you. I don't think we should talk anymore. I don't want to be friends with you. I'm sorry. Please do not contact me again. And I blocked him on all of the apps and on the pen pal website. For a few months, everything was fine. Then I got a message on one of the apps and the user wasn't in my friends list. The message was basically as follows. You stupid, fat, ugly bitch. No one will ever love you. You'll never find a man to love you. You're so fucking fat and ugly. Why don't you just kill yourself, bitch? Do the world a favor. I have many things to say to a person like this. Most of them are extraordinarily rude. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's my addition. (laughs) Uh. Uh, So, the... 
the writer of the story is extremely more uh, mature and balanced than me, it seems, though, because they just said, I rolled my eyes and I blocked the account. At a girl. I'm very, I'm very proud of you. Yep. <laughs> I would not have been that level at him. Of course, I would have also had a panic attack before I blocked them. So that's me. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, unfortunately, throughout the course of a year, every few months across multiple social media platforms, she continued to be harassed. So, I, she says, I had completely forgotten about the man until I received a message on the pen pal website. The account had name or photos. The account did not have name or photos. It was just a random username. Ugh. The message I received was the same nonsense as before, calling me fat and ugly, saying I'm a bitch, telling me I should die. Once I got the messages on that website, I knew it had to be him. I'd had no other issues with anyone. I replied, saying the guy's name, telling him I knew it was him, and that his behavior is really sad and pathetic. And he responded with, I just wanted to be your friend, you fucking bitch, watch your back. Oh. Yep. And then the Ugh. account blocked them. So the, the, the dude then blocked our protagonist, dude. as I'm going to call him. Ugh. For a few more months, nothing really happened. I got one or two messages from fake accounts again, but I had grown used to it and just immediately blocked them. Then, one day, I received a Facebook message from a police officer what? who was contacting me about a profile I apparently made on a website called Ashley Madison. What? It's used for people to have affairs, hookups, etc. I had never heard of it before then and absolutely did not have an account there. I had a long talk with him where he told me his department investigates human trafficking and thought I was an underage girl possibly in danger. It had my personal Facebook account listed on the profile, as well as other ways to contact me. I was in shock. Holy shit. So the officer advised me to contact the website and ask them to take down the profile, but said to me, you seem like a sweet girl. I don't know who you pissed off, but don't read the profile. Oh no. My curiosity got the better of me, but of I should have taken his advice. Using some of my normal selfies, an account was made, and the profile stated a lot of horrible things. Very oh. derogatory. It made me sick to my stomach to read some of the things it said I apparently wanted to have done to me. Ooh. Thankfully, the website took quick action to take down the profile. The next time I got one of those hate messages online, I snapped. I didn't hold back, cursing him out for being so immature and disgusting because sim someone simply didn't want to be his friend. The account blocked me without answering. I didn't get a message from any accounts for a while. One day when I was the closer at work, I was waiting outside for a family member to pick no. me up. I didn't have my own vehicle, and my family would give me rides to and from work. Oh. As I was listening to music, waving goodbye to my manager as they drove off, I got a notification on one of my apps, and it said, You ugly bitch. I sighed, rolling my eyes as I opened the message. As I was typing, another message came in that made me stop typing and freeze up. You're all alone now. I could kill you right now if I wanted to. No one would ever find you. Ugh. I backed up against the building. I didn't have keys. Only the manager did, who just left. I looked around through the parking lot, not a car in sight. The streetlights shined dimly around me. My heart started to race as more messages came in. You're so fucking ugly, you know that? No one would ever fall in love with you. Your family probably won't even miss you, you disgusting bitch. This person is just deranged. I started to cry, the phone shaking in my hands. Just as another text came in, a car pulled up in front of me. It was my family member coming to pick me up. I took a deep breath and quickly got into the Ooh. car. Sorry I'm late. I, just, I got stuck at two red lights. Your manager already left? They just left you alone out here? Just drive, I accidentally screamed at them, tears streaming down my face. What's wrong? Did something happen at work? 
I was crying, shaking. They took my phone and looked at it, seeing the messages. What the fuck? Who the hell is this texting you? I don't know who it is, but please just drive. I want to get out of here. We went back to their place, and they wanted to call the police, but I told them not to. I had no idea who they were, where to find them, to make a police report against them. All they had was, like, their pen pal user account info several years ago. Instead, they called another family member who works in the IT field. After they heard the whole story, everything I've endured for almost two years, they told me I should have made new accounts from the beginning of the harassment. I listened to them, and right then and there, I made new accounts on all my social media. I worked at that job for another month, but my family member had told my manager what happened, so I was never put on closing shifts again. I was only given morning shifts where I clicked out of work when the sun was still out, but I still didn't feel safe. They knew where I worked. My manager understood when I quit. All harassment has stopped, and to this day, I still haven't received any more of those messages, and I'm going to leave off the last remainder of it because it gives some update of personal information so yeah that's that's the shitty 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 what the fuck and that makes me just deeply upset for them because no one male female anything you don't owe your attention to anyone let's let me see if i can find it i feel like i sent you a thing on pinterest that was very relevant um oh probably it's we send each other a lot of weird shit uh, maybe I just saved it somewhere. <laughs> I'm gonna find it now, though. I'm guessing it's not the baby Bengals. <laughs> it is not. It is not the baby Bengals. The baby Bengal kitties were wonderful. No, it, it was something to the gist of, and I'm not. I'm not finding it. Uh, when when people demand your attention, specifically men to f- women, um, and women state how they want to be treated. Though this is not gender specific, it just happens significantly more to women, it seems. Um, Women say, hey, I want you to tell me what you want, and then I can have a choice. And men go, but if I tell you what I want, you might say no, and then I can't force you to do what I want you to do. No, I think I sent that to you. Oh, did you? Did you find it? Yeah. And I'll just read the post. Yes. Um, It's 2017. Men still don't understand the concept of... Quote, tell a girl if all you want from her is sex and don't pretend you want more. And their dumbass response is, okay, but they said no. Like, surprise, women are allowed to say no. You just don't get to want just sex. Shocker, they choose who they allow access to their body. Wild concept. And further down, says, you know, I feel like literally all conversations where women give basic advice to men on common decency follows this pattern. Women. Hey, you should actually communicate your intentions so women can decide for themselves if they want to do what you want. Don't try and trick, manipulate, or coerce women into doing what you want. Men. Okay, but if I don't try to control women and instead let them decide for themselves, then they might decide to not do what I want. So obviously that strategy isn't logical. God, women's advice makes no sense at all. Yep, 100%. That's the one I was thinking of. Yep, I thought that might be. That's the one. Ugh. I just, I feel so bad for that person. Like, what a horrible situation. I can tell you that they, their updates were happy. So I just cool. don't want to potentially say anything that could make it less unhappy, less happy. Yeah, I, I don't want to triangulate anything. Uh, it's Fair. like, I'm not going to give usernames. I'm not going to say anything that might identify that person to anyone. Yeah. Potentially on the internet ever. Ugh. So, yeah. People are horrible to each other. Just, yeah. I don't like I, it. I don't like it. 
You want to talk about things we do like? I do. Specifically puns or other palate cleansers? Yes. (laughs) So our favorite person, Katie, she (laughs) sent this into our uh, WTP podcast group and goes, how do farmers find new cows to buy? Okay. They look through the catalog. (laughs) 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 Uh, I like it. Katie, you have the best jokes. Katie is the best. Uh, Hey, Stasia. Hey, Lauren. Do you know how to get a squirrel to like you? Yeah, give it some nuts. (laughs) Yeah, act like a nut. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Did you hear about the king who was only 12 inches tall? No. He was a terrible king, but he made a great ruler. (laughs) (laughs) You know why a nose can't be 12 inches long? Why? Because then it would be a foot. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we will laugh at our own stupid jokes and any other joke that we come across. 100%. Oh, that one's kind of mean. What concert costs just 45 cents? 50 cent featuring Nickelback. (laughs) Nickelback. Poor Nickelback. Poor Nickelback. I feel like... I don't really know what Nickelback did to the world to make the world hate Nickelback so much. Like, they're fine. They're not, like, my favorite, but they're not, like, shitty. It's it's the same, like, they shit all over Guy Fieri. And, I mean, I haven't heard anything bad about the guy. He just does what he loves and feeds people. And eats a lot and has crazy hair. He does, but he has a great time. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's something we don't know about. Maybe. So, I've noticed coffee has a really rough time in my house. It keeps getting mugged. (laughs) Do you know what you call cheese that's not yours? Nacho cheese. (laughs) I had a feeling that was going to be it. Uh, Now I want popcorn with nacho Uh. cheese from the movie theater. I haven't been to a movie theater in so long. Did you ever eat that? It's the only way I eat popcorn is dipping it into really terrible, clearly not cheese, nacho cheese. No, but that sounds delicious. It's so bad for you and I highly recommend it. Whatever. Arteries are what they are. The entire world is a fallacy. We're basically living in the Matrix. We don't decide what we decide. The internet decides it through algorithms. Whatever. I'm going to eat nacho cheese on popcorn. Right. You do you, boo. (laughs) Conspiracies. (laughs) Aliens. Uh, How did the T-Rex Cafe advertise that they needed help? Uh, How? They put a sign in the window that says, Shorthanded. Help wanted. Oh, <laughs> oh poor T-Rexes. <laughs> you know, I really like telling dad jokes. Sometimes he laughs. <laughs> My dad usually rolls his eyes, but he does laugh. My dad normally tries to quit back with more dad jokes. Yep. Yeah, it really takes guts to be an organ donor. <laughs> uh, literally takes your guts. <laughs> you see a crime at an Apple store, does that make you an eyewitness? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, to, to carry on the Apple train. If Apple made a car, would it have windows? Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. You know they would try and rebrand that shit. Oh, yeah. Like, they, they would have special, like, solar panel see-through windows, which exist. 
that they specifically made for Apple, and they were only designed, and they were circular, so you couldn't get them replaced anywhere else. Just dumb. And also, they would spontaneously explode and crack after three years' use without specific upgrades. Ugh. Much as I love my iPhone. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you, uh, do you know what you call a fake noodle? No. An impasta. Ah, ah that's cute. <laughs> What'd the fish say when he hit the wall? I don't know. Damn. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Before my surgery, my anesthesiologist offered to knock me out with gas or a boat paddle. It was an ether or situation. Oh. <laughs> oh. <sighs> that sounds like really terrible health coverage insurance, like health insurance coverage. <laughs> you have to pick one of these. Right. You know, I really wouldn't recommend buying anything with Velcro. It's a total ripoff. What do you get if you divide the circumference of a pumpkin by its diameter? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> pumpkin pie. Nah! Okay! <laughs> oh, jeez. Alright, this is my last one. Okay, say it. I hear the Kool-Aid man is starting a bat- baseball team. He's the pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I missed that time we went on Kool-Aid man jokes. Oh, but that was Kool-Aid way back man. with the... Jonestown. Oh, Way back gosh. in Jonestown. Oh, Kool-Aid man. Oh, no. Do you know how to make a Kleenex dance? You put a little boogie in it? That's exactly how. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus if you do the shoulder shimmy. <laughs> okay, you want to take us out? Uh, I can do that. And here I thought you were going to make a joke about the flirtations again. I almost did. Almost. All right, so that's all for this week. Thanks for listening in, and check back next Sunday for another episode. And if you need some extra spookums, you can always check out our mini-stories at waittopanic.com. And as always, if you have a story of your own or just some really terrible, hilarious puns, uh, please feel free to email those to us at waittopanicpodcast at gmail.com. Make good choices, and remember, wait to panic. panic.